radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Stephon gave the pass to the side. All the way back in front, the shot block. Rebound, score! Rangers get the first goal, and I believe it's going to be Marty Sanley. Wouldn't that be something on Mother's Day in New York? Marty, you have come through big time. Laced up, colon, a hockey podcast. That is a high-octane intro if I've ever heard one. Get you going on this Friday afternoon, morning, whenever James actually puts it out this week. Get up off your asses, folks. There you go. Good morning. That's good ho- afternoon. That's Hockey Hall of Famer, Marty San Luis. Yeah, my, uh, my boy, my favorite player of all time. Probably my favorite goal of his of all time, and it was probably one of the ugliest ones he scored, but it was cool. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that was uh, from the 2014 playoffs, I think. 2014. Yeah. A so. uh, couple days after his mother, France Saint Louis, passed away, uh, and she went to quite a few of his hockey games. Was like his number one fan for sure. Um, so it was a pretty big moment for him. It was a pretty emotional moment. It was a big goal for the Rangers. Uh, they went on a pretty significant run that year too. So uh, we figured we'd open up with that, and that was the latest from Muse as well. Yeah. Their new song, Pressure. We mentioned I mentioned to you the other night about how uh, it's gonna be weird knowing that your favorite hockey player is in the Hall of Fame and, and mine never will be. Yeah, I don't know so. if Gary Roberts is getting in. I don't. I don't know. I don't, what to not tell as you a there. player, I can tell you. That. No, some no. Sort of builder category. Maybe for nutritionists. Yeah, yeah, maybe he'll open up some sort of a gym franchise and he'll get uh, in there for, you know. Yeah, I can dream. Well, keep clinging to that yeah, because that so. might be what you got to do. Got. Yep. Um... Did you watch much of the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies? No. I didn't see much of it. No. I saw Marty's speech, um, but that was pretty much the extent of it. I saw uh, Batman's little, little jokey. <laughs> was, well, I, I thought you were going to talk about when he was trying to, like, when they were all taking well, the picture, the puck. and they're trying yeah, to flip the puck with the stick, too. and he was, like, midway through it, and he knew he wasn't going to do it, so he, like, tried to save face, and he just, like, points to Marty Brodeur and stuff yeah. and starts making jokes. Yeah. No, did, did you see what he said at the his, his little speech at the Hall of Fame thing? I heard a few things, but I didn't actually yeah. hear it. It's not a popularity contest. Uh, uh, that was that was, that was was pretty good. I'll give, I'll give Garrett back on that one. Unpopular opinion. I don't, I don't necessarily hate him. Hate's a strong word. I don't hate him the way hockey... I don't like him, necessarily, but I definitely don't like him, actually, but, like, I don't know. He's not the worst. There are commissioners in professional sports that I I hate I just don't get the whole argument about, like, he shouldn't be in the whole... He's been on the job for 25 years. He's done a lot for the game. He, he's he done He's done a lot. Yeah, he's yeah. done a lot of things. He's a Hall of Famer. He's I mean, a builder. He, sure. Yeah. He lost us a lot of seasons, a lot of stats that could have been, eh. you know. But what are you going to do? Yeah. Here we, we are where we are. Yeah. Can't change it now. We are who we are. Kesha. Sure. Remember that song? She's still a thing. Uh, yeah, she is. Um, first thing we're going to talk about, non-hockey related, uh, the passing of Stan Lee. Yeah. Uh, comic book legend, 
almost doesn't even do him justice. Um, you're you're kind, kind of hard to say this for a guy that was ninety five. A little unexpected. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Kind of was. Actually, I know. Uh, I know a guy who met him at uh, not Comic Con, but something like that. Sure. Uh, maybe three years ago. Oh yeah. And we were both talking about it, and it's like it just seemed like one of those guys that was gonna live forever. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, like they've they've only got a few movies like Betty left, White, and you got to figure, you know, was gonna have cameos and all those. You know, just would like to see it through to the end, I guess. But no, it was sad. Um, you know, he uh, he's definitely one of those figures that is in the last you know fifteen years or so really kind of come to the forefront in terms of especially like not only like the work he did with comic books and everything, but uh, the way that those have transitioned into movies. Uh, you can make an argument that he's, in a sense, one of the more successful movie writers over the last, you know, decade or so. Yeah, he's one of the few people that's come up with an original movie plot in the yeah. last few years. Gotta give him that. That's for sure. Um, always, uh, always very, you know, for the people kind of guy. You know, shake your hand. And uh, I read, I read one good story uh, on on the internet. There, he was. Uh, He'd met a met a young boy, and uh, the young boy was, was very excited to meet him. And uh, oh, how much I loved I loved this comic book uh, character. And Stan Lee said to him, "It's good, kid. I wrote it for you." And I can't remember which <laughs> character it was. It was it was a smaller smaller character in one of the X Men films. Um, and this kid grew up to play this like supporting role where he got to play that character. Uh, really? Yeah. And it was just like That's I was neat. six years old, and I met Stan Lee, and he said this to me, and yeah, yeah, got to do that all those years later. Never heard a bad thing about the man, no. and um, that's kind of rare, yeah, nowadays to not only hear good things about celebrities away from their work, um, but even just someone that was like universally appreciated. You know, I don't know anyone... I've never really heard anyone say, ah, fuck Stanley or anything like Most, that. You no know what I mean? No sex scandals, that's for sure. No, but, like, I, <laughs> I just mean, as a whole, like, he was always personable. He was always willing to give back. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. put everything into his work, and um, you got to admire that, whether or not you're a fan of his. Um, so, uh, Stanley uh, passing away this week. We, uh, we addressed that. Yeah. yeah. Um... I mean, I have to take this segue while it's right in front of me. Speaking of old men, sure. Jim Rutherford signed an extension with the Penguins today. Now you're going to hell. <laughs> More Werther's Originals for Jimmy. Nice. Love a good Werther's. Um, three more years of Jim Rutherford in Pittsburgh. Okay. Which uh, we'll get to the second thing involving the Penguins that happened today. But I want to get your thoughts. First off, my first thing I was going to text you when this happened, and I knew you were at work today, so I held off, and then a bunch of other stuff happened. What do you think of Jim Rutherford? Like, is Jim Rutherford a... Like, he's not a bad general manager, but is he a good general manager? He's okay. He's somewhere in the middle. He hasn't messed the Penguins up as much as people seem to make it out to be. No. You know? Like, the flurry situation was unavoidable. He could have traded him, but like I probably, I probably would have held on to him too. 
Because you never knew what was going to happen with oh, Murray. For sure. They held on to him as long as they could have, and then it's the same as letting him go to free agency. They won a cup. Yeah. Like, people have to get that narrative out of the way. You should have traded him. For what? You won the cup. But yeah, what? For That's another, the goal. For another goalie? Like, no one's trading you another NHL goalie for an NHL goal. Like, yeah. What was he going to get? Best case scenario, maybe flips him to the Red Wings for Jimmy Howard, and the Penguins now have Jimmy Howard making $5 million a year to sit on the bench behind while he'd play. I guess he'd be playing right now, but... Right. You know, like, but, that that's yeah. the best deal he could have done. Uh, he got Phil Kessel, which, now, here's where a little bit of personal opinion comes in. I think that the Penguins win those two Stanley Cups because they had Phil Kessel, and they had the depth to do so, and to split Crosby on one, Malkin on one, and Kessel on one line at points if they had to, to get away from matchups, and I think that that was the move that won them Stanley Cups. So I gotta, I gotta agree with Rutherford there. He's also made some stinkers. But who hasn't, I guess. Yeah. Um, What's a stinker? Give me, a, give me an example of a stinker. What's, the Broussard deal wasn't great. The Broussard deal wasn't great. Um, who, who went the other way? It was a bunch of prospects, uh, okay. and then, yeah. Okay. Um, but you get what he's going for. Yeah. At least you can like take a look at that trade and say, yeah, okay, I get it. I get what you're going for. It just didn't pan out, right? Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot the of Jack, times... The Jack Johnson deal <laughs> isn't amazing either, I yeah, guess. But see, I didn't, I didn't hate that one like yeah. you did, but... Really? I thought it was the opposite when it happened. No. I thought I didn't hate it, and you were no, like, what the hell is he going No, I didn't like do? it because of, like, the media stuff that came out. You didn't like oh, it just because you yeah, didn't yeah. like Jack Johnson. No, I just, don't, I just don't think he's a great player. He's yeah. not bad, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, I think the problem when evaluating Jim Rutherford is to, how to think of him as a general manager is you also have to take into account things that happened when he was with the Carolina Hurricanes, which was, like, not... That was not a great era for him. He won a cup. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. It was just, like, the ten years after that, clinging to Cam Ward, which, like, in in Jim Rutherford's defense, other general managers since he's left have clung to Cam yeah, Ward. Um, yeah. Does he, like, have a small is, share is, in the ownership of the franchise or Isn't something? it kind of amazing that the guy that finally managed to get that shithole goaltender out of there was Don Waddell. Don Waddell didn't do anything, though. He just showed up one day. And he probably just forgot to, you know, offer a contract. Like, yeah. yeah. That's Jesus. what it was. Yeah. Hey, you uh, you made that offer to Cam this morning, eh? Oh, no. Who? Who? Um, yeah, so I don't know. Three more deals. He's an, he's an older gentleman. But, uh... Yeah, we'll see if it gets to your three, I guess. Oh, fucking... I knew you were going to say something about yeah. that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's working for it's them, fine. I guess, for the most part. He, But the, the reason I'm kind of always on the fence about Jim Rutherford, and it kind of came out today, is someone asked him, I think it was before the Pearson deal today, which we'll get to in a second. Someone asked him if he's a patient GM. And his answer to me was just kind of bizarre. He said, uh, I should probably pull up the exact quote, but the, the answer was something along the lines of, uh, I like to think I am, but it depends on the day. Right now, I'm running out of patience. And then about 20 minutes later, the Penguins traded uh, Carl Hagelin to the Los Angeles Kings for Tanner Pearson, which yeah. I thought was kind of bizarre. Um, Cam Fowler has a fra- facial fracture. Nice. Not really. I got him in fantasy. Hmm. All right, Peter. Uh Pearson deal. I guess we'll get to Fowler in a second, maybe, but... No, I don't know. Like, I don't see how that's 
really a loss for either team. Um, Pearson's four years younger, so the Penguins get a little bit more usage out of him down the road. Um, I'm not sure the length on the contracts for either of them. But um, so Carl Haglin is on the last year of his deal. Uh, Tanner Pearson just signed a contract extension uh, a summer ago, so he is on year two of a four-year deal, so he is signed through 2021. Yeah. So for me, this deal is purely the Kings saying, we made a mistake on the Pearson contract. Let's see if we can find someone similar to Pearson to do Pearson's job for now, and we'll figure it out later. Because Maybe. I, I like he's on a decent cap hit. The problem is if Pearson continues to have a disastrous year and you try to trade him this summer and he got 24 points for you this year and was like minus 24, you know, what the hell, like, it might be harder to get rid of him then than it is now, is the way I saw it. You get back Haglin, who, they're comparable players in the way of where you play them in the lineup. In terms of what they bring to your team, they're almost polar opposites. Pearson's a decent offensive player, hasn't been this year but is not very good defensively. Carl Haglin is very good defensively, but is going to cap out at about 25 to 35 points. So yeah, I, I think that they can flip Haglin easily, uh, easier. That's another thing at the deadline, than, yeah. Than with Pearson. No, so. well, Pier- yeah, it would have been hard to... It definitely would have been uh, difficult to work come trade deadline time. Yeah. Um, now, you're right. I, I think that they can flip Haglin, but... And the, like, the, best, the beauty of it, too, is... Um, the Penguins retained a little mm-hmm. bit of salary there. That's washed. So it's yeah. a it's a wash for the Kings. It doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's gonna sound weird because I think Pearson might be the better player at this point, but I like the deal a bit better for the Kings just because I think it frees them up to do other things in the future and to kind of maybe start this re- rebuild because Pearson is one of the more permanent parts of the last. You know, of the last cup, anyway, not the last yeah. two, because he wasn't yeah. there for the first one. But, um, yeah, it's it's a big, it's a big step, I think, for them to kind of start moving forward and kind of rebranding this situation. They did not look very good last night <laughs> against the no. Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I liked it for the Penguins too, though, because like like I said, like Pearson's he's he's young enough where you know you might get something out of them, you know, that you don't already know about. There might be something hidden there. And you take them into a, a situation uh, with the lineup that Pittsburgh has. And that's a very different offensive system than, than what L.A. runs. Um, and and now you're, you're, you're entering the era where Crosby and Malkin and, and Phil, those are the vets. So you, need some, you need some youth somewhere in the dressing room. And... Dylan Sprong is you know, like the the lonely young guy on that roster. I feel like everybody else is like the Carl Hagelin situation. Is they're all around that not quite thirty, but no longer young classification. So I don't know. I, I like it. Penguins get a little younger, get the better player. I think this deal sort of complicates things for the Penguins moving into what has been not so talked about a. Um, sketchy situation in terms of their cap moving forward. Um, You know, not to do too deep a dive into it, but they have 13 forwards on the roster right now uh, that accumulate a little over $44 million. 
Uh, Malkin makes 9.5, Crosby makes 8.7, uh, Phil makes 6.8, and then you got Patrick Hornquist at 5.3, Pearson at 3.75, and Brian Rust at 3.5. Uh, among those three, you know, I mean, Pearson and Rust are on the younger side of 30, like they're still 26, both of them. Um, but those are guys where I'm not necessarily sure, you know, exactly what you're getting night to night. You know, even Hornquist has had his ups and downs. Um, you know, they, they're at the point where they have to figure something out for Jake Gensel this summer, which is not going to be um, a fun little bridge deal. I don't think that's going to be a, a pretty decent extension. Zach Aston Reese is another guy. So... Is that six eight that Kessel's making? Is is that what the Pens are paying him, or is that his total? Okay. That's his. That's his current annual average value based on the Leafs retaining one point two. So Kessel makes eight point million or eight million a year. Is that high? But yeah, he makes eight million dollars huh. a year. But uh, good for Phil. That's a lot of yeah. hot dogs. <laughs> hot dogs. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't love it for the Penguins, but. Uh, what I see out of this deal and the reason why I, I think it probably is going to work out a little bit better for the Kings, because even saying that sounds hilarious, but it, it, this is a, uh, I think this is a little bit more of a swing for the fences kind of trade than people really see, because Pearson is going to be really difficult to flip if he doesn't work there, because if he didn't work in LA, you know, granted LA hasn't been great this year, he's and if he doesn't work in Pittsburgh, then what does that really say about him? So you could be stuck moving forward, albeit it's better than making a trade for a guy making like $9 million a year and you're stuck with him uh, than a guy. Like, it's not like they traded for Corey Perry yeah. and they don't know what they're getting at this point, right? Like, they traded for Tanner Pearson. He's a decent guy that hopefully you can hide in your lineup if he starts to really, really struggle. But right, we'll have to see. I don't know. Any more thoughts, sir? Uh? That's about all you can do on a one-for-one one trade, I think. Yeah. Um, so, we'll move on. Tuka Rask took a leave of absence on Friday of last week. Uh, he then returned to the Bruins <laughs> last night, which was Tuesday. That was kind of weird. Uh, you don't see that often. Well, I, I, I think it happens more often than I think we realize. And I don't know the circumstances of the Bruins. Like, were they on the road? Like, was it very obvious that he? I thought left they were on the road, but I could be wrong. Yeah. See, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this happened. No, they were at home because they played the Leafs right. Saturday night. Oh, they were. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Like, I don't really read too much into that kind of thing. Like, to me, it's it's probably some sort of family-related issue. I get it. That's that's fair. Like if if someone's sick in the family, which you know none of us want to hear, um, then you, you got to do those kind of things. You got to take take some time away from the team. Um, it's newsworthy only in the sense that if that isn't the case, then you start asking, okay, well, well what what was so important that you left the team so at this time? We we've we've talked about this on the podcast, and you know again. I want to reiterate on your behalf as well 
that we're not here to do a deep personal dive into these players' lives. Like they're, I, I'm a strong believer of their privacy is their privacy. Um, it's one of the reasons why I actually kind of hate being a Leaf fan is because you hear so much about the personal lives of these these players and these guys, and like I don't give a fuck, man. Like I'm just worried about what you're doing on the ice. Um, you know, and and you know, I want I wish them all well, but like at the end of the day, I don't I don't care like what they want to do or what they're like in their person. I don't really care. Um, so I hope everything's alright with Tuka Rask, and I don't want to begin to speculate here, but the reason it looked kind of bizarre when it happened was because it happened the night after, or sorry, the morning after the night where he let in eight goals against the Canucks, and they asked him, um, you know, what were you, <laughs> what were you thinking during that game, and he said, oh, I was just trying to keep it under ten, and he seemed really distraught after the game, um, seemed kind of annoyed, and then it all kind of just worked out. So, he's back, um, with the team anyway, and I'm, I'm assuming he played tonight. I don't know if he played he, tonight. It was supposed to be Halak, and then it wasn't confirmed anymore. You were going to say something? Uh, well, no, I was just, I didn't, I don't, I, I, I hate it when we, you know, have to, you know, correct each other on the podcast. But, nice. Um, he was only in net for three of those goals against the Canucks. Um, so, I don't know, like, uh. I get that it's a weird timing, and if he was hurt, you'd figure that they'd put that he was hurt and you know not personal as the reason. But I agree with you. Like I, I don't, I don't give a shit what these guys do when they're not at hockey. Halak's in net tonight, by the way. Oh. I don't know if they played him on or not. But. Interesting. Yeah. Like I don't know if you saw the video that came out today. Um, uh, Mitch and Austin and, and Patty Marlowe singing along. Well, with I Patty's, enjoyed that. Patty's kids. That was and one of the few moments where right. I was like, okay, that's the kind I got of a good laugh where, out the, of it. where if the player puts it out there himself, Austin's um, fashion shoot stuff as well, same idea. If the player is out there putting it in the public eye, then you know, eat it up, enjoy it, you know, take it for all it's worth. But it's this personal leave of absence. Like, fuck off. Like, no one needs to know why you're taking a leave of absence. He's taking a fucking leave of absence. Leave him alone. Like, he'll be back when he's back. If he wants to talk about it, he'll talk about it. But yeah. until then, why Why do we dig so much into this? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the media these no. days. You know, and, and Bruins fans are brutal. Oh, yeah. Because immediately, like, all of Twitter's like, good, thank God. And, like, Bru- Bruins fans fucking hate Tuka Rask. I'll take Tuka Rask. Split the starts between Tuka Rask and Freddie. I got no problem with that. Put Tuka Rask on on any number of teams. Like, move Tuka Rask. Because I like Tuka Rask. If you guys don't want him, move him to a team that wants him. Edmonton could would love him. Imagine Tuka Rask back with his old boy Pete Chiarelli. Oh, yeah. His old boy. boy Milan. All the boys back yeah. in oil country. 2011 Cup winning team right there. Yeah. Yeah. Your 2020 Stanley Cup champs, the Edmonton Oilers, Tuka Rask and the boys. Nice. But like, I, I just, I think it's, I think it's so weird that Bruins Twitter hates Tuka Rask. You know what it is? Because he's like, he's comparable numbers to Frederick Anderson. I don't know any Leaf fans that don't like Frederick Anderson. True. Like, what? You know what it is? Like, and he's had terrible moments as a Leaf, but like, who cares? Bru- Bruin fans have just kind of always been on edge with their goalies since Tim Thomas up and vanished. <laughs> And gave the net to Tuka Rask, yeah. I got two Vesnas, a cup, a Conn Smythe. I'm out! Oh, okay. What do you mean All you're right. out? You don't have to come to the White House. Just do whatever you want. You don't have to leave hockey. Nope, I'm done. <laughs> what? 
I've accomplished everything I want to in life. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> I've accomplished... Yeah. Yeah. Only... Only... A guy who starts out in the NHL at, like, 33 could retire at 39, and they're like, no, you had so many years left. We could have had so many good times. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, I thought it was kind of bizarre, but uh, yeah. he's back. Yeah. And I guess we'll see what happens, because he's not in the net tonight. So maybe there is something going on. They're just kind of easing him back into sure. the flow of things. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, We'll see what happens. Yeah, but I think what happened too to go to go off your point there that to go back to the eight goal night because I'm pretty sure he came in to relieve Halak. Yeah, and they asked him what he was thinking, and that's why he said like, "Oh, I see." Yeah, I was he just trying to keep, to keep it under ten. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I don't know if he said. I thought I, you. Said I might have said he let an eight. eight. He didn't let an eight. Okay. No, good. The team let an eight. Good. Um, John Taffer talking with Jeremy Roenick as we watch the Vegas Golden Knights game. Mm-hmm. What do you think, John Taffer's thinking? Get me the hell away Inside from Jeremy <laughs> Oh, man. Poor John Taffer. I don't get it. Did, did this guy used to play or something? Or Yeah, yeah Taffer's having none of that. I, could, I couldn't see Taffer. A in Vegas tonight, you know. Well, Taffer will have some beers, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a big Golden Knights fan, too. I don't know if you knew that. Okay. Yeah. Bar Rescue's John Taffer. Mint. Um, Thomas Placanitz retired from the National Hockey League. Okay, so yes, sir. The thing popped up in my phone there where it said Habs place Placanic on waivers, and I don't know why, but some small part of me as a Leaf fan went, eh, "We could, we could try that again." <laughs> <laughs> and then he retired like ten minutes oh, later. I was God, like, okay, no. I'm glad we didn't have to try that again. Like one of those bad decisions, like, you, you know. Like sometimes you have, like, you know, you go drinking one night and you, you see some girl you used to date at the bar. You're like, I could give that another go, and then you wake up the next morning. Good thing I didn't. <laughs> All right. So at first I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And then you made that analogy, and yes, I know exactly what you're good. talking about. Yeah, we agree. Yeah. So, um, but good for him. Good thing the Leafs stayed sober and didn't claim a player that was in the middle of retiring. Exactly. Um, because we've got enough players. I wish would just fucking retire right now. Hello, Thomas. Uh, yeah. Oh Dubas, God. Sir. We've uh, we've claimed you. I, I was about to retire actually. Oh no, we know. We we figured you'd want to retire as a hab, so we're gonna offer to trade you back to the Candy Ends, and we're just gonna see what Mark Bergevin's willing to part with. Uh huh. That's a really smart move, Kyle. <laughs> You're kind of an ass. I'm kind of an ass. I, I, Speaking of an ass. Randy Carlyle just pulled John Gibson in the middle of a 3 not Like, it's 3 nothing in the second period. What are you pulling him for? It's like three goals on 12 shots or something. Like, whatever. Yeah, if the team's not going to play in front of you. I thought he was just okay. Fucking Randy Carlyle. I fucking hate Randy Carlyle. Um, Pocanitz, though. Yeah. Great career. Got to 1,000 games. Uh, a thousand games, they, a thousand turtlenecks. They pulled him over the finish line on that one, yeah. apparently. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and they wasted no time. And no. Well, how many games did he play this year? Three? Maybe? Well, I'll look well, it up. I, I thought it was like eight or nine, but... Over or under? Over or under what? Three? Over. No, I'll set I'll set the over or under at, let's say, six. Over or under six games. Over. Dog. He played two games this year. No. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Nine or nine and a thousand, eh? Uh, he was at ni- uh, uh, 999. So he's pl- he finished his career with 1,001 games. Uh-huh. 
yeah. 608 points, uh, 233 goals. Pretty good career for a third-round pick. You think they, uh, Montreal think they were trying number 14 one day? No. A thousand games? I don't think so. No? no. Okay. I don't know. I guess number one did they were Did they retire uh, Patrice Breezebaugh's number ever? You play a thousand games? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. That's, that's how was that. By the way, uh, I was supposed to get Patrice Breezebaugh as a guest on the podcast last week while he was in town. And I uh, forgot to uh, message him until the day of the event that he was going to, so that never happened. That's fair. Yeah. So that would have been a fun guest. So uh, remember, the, I think I said last week we were getting a guest. We don't have a guest this week. Boo. Yeah. Sorry. Um, All the fans just tuned out. No guest. That's it. Done with these bozos. Yeah. So. Jesus. I'm 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 kind of surprised Pekanitz did make it to a thousand games. I'm not. I kind of thought last year he was gonna call like I didn't think he was gonna make it last year. Really? And then he ended up going to uh, going to oh sorry he played three games this year. He ended up going to uh, Toronto last year and you could tell it was the end. And good for Montreal for trying so yeah hauling him across the finish line like you said. Yeah. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. Didn't hurt them any, and I think I think they're doing better than they expected. So he he might be a, a regular in the lineup this season if you know the Canadians are where I think the Canadians expect them to be. But they're doing much better than I think anyone had them. Are and they the uh, Are they a dark horse to make the playoffs this year? Do you think Canadians? You think they'll do it? You know, here's the scary part: is that Carey Price is not looking too good. No, and they're still like nine three and two or something yeah. ridiculous. So no, you know, he writes the ship. You know who is looking good? Huh. Thomas Tatar. Yeah. Thomas Tatar. You see that? You saw that video? Eh? No. The guy? No, you didn't see it? Oh, I gotta show you. It was like on Hockey Night in Canada the other night. I gotta pull it up right here. It's on my Twitter. I got it ready to go. Tartar Sauce is looking okay though. Here. He is looking good. Wrong. Yeah. I uh, I thought that was one of the worst trades I had ever seen. And, uh, well, scored. I didn't think it was that bad, but... Scored the winner against Vegas. Tomas! Tata! Some, right. some drunk Frenchman yelling into the camera. That's mint. The more times I watch it, the funnier it gets, and it's one of the stupidest videos I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, good for him. Nice little career. Yeah, well, it's uh, he's uh, he's got plenty of opportunities now, at this point to go and and Coach hang the out Czech with team. Yeah, hang out in Czech Republic, hang out with his buddies. Um, you know what he should have done before he left Canada, though. Has he left? Oh, he's in the Czech now. Oh, is he? But before he left Canada, he should have taken a little trip on to our friends at Airedale, fishing and hunting. <laughs> I worked real hard to get that segue. Um, this week's this week's yeah this week's uh, episode of Laced Up a Hockey Podcast is sponsored by Airedale Fly-In Fishing and Hunting, located in the balmy metropolis of Wawa, Ontario. Uh, Airedale has provided a unique wilderness experience since 1945. Uh, they have 18 remote fly-in outpost camps that are all unique, and the fly-in experience helps keep the lakes pristine and the fishing extraordinary. They take care of everything, James. Uh, you know, 
They get you all settled up in a nice place to stay. Nice. They've got nice, experienced pilots to Ooh. take you around the lake. They know the area. What lake um, is it? I don't know. I think there's a few. I think there's a few little okay. ones there. I oh, if there's a few, that's I fine. Know. Well, we'll have to we'll have to get them on one time to talk about it firsthand. Yeah, definitely. Um, the area is host to brook trout, lake trout, northern pike, perch, or as Canadians may call it, James. Walleye. Pickerel. Pickerel. I, I, I said know. I said walleye, didn't I? I don't know. Um, yeah, well, it's a fish. Uh, currently, they are not open, but uh, <laughs> it takes quite a while to arrange such a trip. So it may be wise to begin looking into planning your vacation to Airedale now. James, do you know how to do that? Uh, I don't, and I know Ooh. you've told me, but tell me again. Well, I can tell you again. Uh, they're open from May fifteenth to October thirty first. Uh, you can visit www.outpostcamps.com for more information to begin planning your trip to Airedale today. Nice. Are we going? Next summer, yes, we are going. Nice. For sure. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll record an episode while we're out there, too. Yeah. We'll, uh... I had a, uh... Take the podcast on the road. I had a little personal moment, uh, the other night where... <laughs> <laughs> I made a segue. Mm. And, uh... I don't... <laughs> I don't want to know about your personal <laughs> moments the other night, James. Come on. That's fair. No, I, I made a segue, um, and my girlfriend had to point out, like, oh, did you learn that on your podcast? I, I, I'm at that point in my life now where people are making fun of what me. What was the segue? Well, okay, so I got a friend that lives in Scotland, and um, we got her tickets to go see the Arkells because they're going over to Europe. Nice. And uh, Timmy so, Oxford and the boys. Oh, fuck, yeah. Um, and so we were, we were talking, we Skyped her to give her the news, and before we'd given her the news so far, we were just kind of making small talk, we hadn't talked to her in a few months, and I said to her, oh, uh, so have, have you been anywhere besides where you're living? She said, oh yeah, we went to London for a day, and we went to, we went to Glasgow for a day, and, and the concert's actually in Glasgow, and she's in Edinburgh, and, uh, I said, oh, well, what was, what was there to see in London? And, and she said, well, I've, I've already been there, you know, previously on a different trip. And I said, oh, okay, well, what is there to see in Glasgow? And she kind of said, well, there's not a lot there. Like, there's a couple of shopping spots, but, you know, for the most part, it's, it's just a college town. Like, there's not a, not a whole lot to do. And immediately I said, I know something that you can do in Glasgow. And at that point, I, I, I think I'd lost my girlfriend. Uh, she was just off shaking her head in the corner at my idiocracy and uh told her about the arkells and to which i guess she didn't get it because she's, she's like oh are are you guys coming to see the arkells here I was, no I, I guess i didn't stick that point very well you're going no. to see the arkells sweetheart uh so yeah um i'm learning how to do segues thanks to laced up podcast yeah maybe um maybe we'll get you to do the ad next time or something hopefully it's the airedale ad and not a new uh not a new ad where you got to learn geek. learn all the stuff. Seat giant, nice. We got to look into maybe, uh, um, what are they called? Agostinos. Right. See if they'll do it. Yeah. Joe Willis, our good friends. Um, I was gonna give you a little impromptu quiz. I think I love a good quiz. So I've been watching Jeopardy on Netflix. Well, they got Jeopardy on Netflix now, and mm, love a good quiz. I, I don't know if Jeopardy is gonna necessarily help you with this one. Uh, Alex, what is hockey is? Yeah, good one. Yeah. Um, so, Jay and Dan were talking today. 
couple bullets. Okay, you know, a couple silver bullets. Um, about there being nine professional sports teams where their mascot does not end in an S. And I was wondering if you could name the nine professional sports teams in the four major leagues um, that have that don't have an S in their mascot's name. Okay. Like anywhere in the name? Uh, doesn't end, end in S. Sorry. Doesn't okay. end in S. Yeah. Okay. So there's the Philly Fanatic. Uh, sorry. I mean like the actual, like the New England Patriots. Oh. The... I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. The okay, Philadelphia so the, uh, Phillies. Colorado Avalanche. Colorado Avalanche is one. Minnesota Wild. Minnesota Wild is two. Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay Lightning is three. I think that's it for hockey. Um, okay. I should be writing these down as you get them. The Chicago White Sox. Yep. The Boston Red Sox. Yep. Oof. Huh. Mm-hmm. How many? How many are in basketball? Um, three, I believe. Fuck that. There is one, uh, two. Oh, the uh, the thunder. Three. Ooh, there's four. Okay, there's the thunder. Thunder. Hear the thunder. The thunder heat. is one. The heat. Heat is two. This is a good one. This is a doozy. Um, did I get hockey? Is that was that it for hockey? I guess you have to figure that out on your own. Huh. That was it for hockey. There's yeah, two more. Figure, kind of figure. Just two, two more, right? All right, I'll give you a hint. They're both basketball teams. Oh, good. A lot of football teams there, right? No. Uh, zero, actually. Mint. It's kind of a trick question. Okay, so, so two more basketball. Two more basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jazz? The Utah Jazz. That's mm-hmm. eight. You've got one more to go. Huh. You have 12 seconds. Oh, wow, well, that's... There you go. Now I'm feeling it. I'm in the zone. Good thing I have uh, like a thousand Anaheim Ducks in fantasy hockey. eh? This is looking great. 4 nothing Golden Knights is where. That's not right. Uh, You must guess. uh, I was going to say Denver. No, they are the Nuggets, plural. Uh, The ninth team we were looking for is uh, located... I'll give you a hint. Mm. It's the city where Jake O'Neill's dad always asks him to go. Have I told you about that? No. No. Uh, the ninth team we were looking for is the Orlando Magic. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Jake's dad always wants to go to Orlando. Interesting. For some reason, yeah. Like, almost every day he's looking up flights on the uh, on the computer. Hmm. Jakey! You want to go to Orlando with me? And Jake's like, fuck, no. That's wild. Yeah. Did I do better than uh, than Dan? I don't know if they actually did it or not. Oh. I just saw it on their uh, their page that they were talking about it. But so I figured I would see hmm. if you uh, if you were a sports master. Thank you. And you were not. Uh, well, well, you did yeah, pretty good. Eight or nine. You did pretty good. Um, Tom Wilson got his suspension reduced to fourteen games by a uh, quote unquote neutral arbitrator. Um, the same guy that 
we're starting to really learn is kind of player friendly, but yeah, um, yeah. So he gets about four hundred k back, sure, which is kind of nice for him. So good for him on that. Uh, I wish I wish there was a way to make him sit longer, but give him some money back or like one or the other, make it look like you know a little more punishing, but almost looks like he got rewarded. You know, kind of. It's kind of weird because he get he got to play last night, got to play that day, and then uh, on the other hand, he missed two more games than he should have, in a sense. True. So he should sue the NHL now. He might for wrongful. Uh, and that'll go to an arbitrator. Yeah, to shy to shy him himself. Yeah. So Tom Wilson found a way to injure a guy, and then he's probably going to make extra money for it now because it went his settlement against the NHL, and once sure. he sues them, sure. Um. Did you have any thoughts on this? Well, I can say this much. I don't think that particular arbitrator will be back making any decisions in the near future. Because as far as I know, the NHL and the NHLPA both have the power yeah. to replace an arbitrator at any given time. Yeah. And I think this is the third time in a row that the arbitrator has overruled the yeah. commissioner's decision and reduce the sentence so uh this same arbitrator uh for what it's worth was fired by the mlbpa six months ago for um some decisions that he's made right over there i believe the roberto osuna might have been the straw that broke the camels back there uh maybe it wasn't osuna but uh yeah i was involved the ryan braun case as well um glenn cross was he glenn cross glenn glenn cross not Glenn Cross. Uh, Weidman. 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 Yeah. Um, he might have been. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, so this is an interesting fella who, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't know. know, he's just doing his job. Yeah, like, I'm I, not going to, I don't you know. hold it against Wilson. I don't hold it against the arbitrator necessarily. No, it's, you do it. It's a weird situation to find yourself in. You do it. Because, like, like, if I'm Tom Wilson, I'm doing the exact same thing. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I would too. Exactly. Why not? I Give can't. I can't fault him for that. Yeah. So no. Whatever. No. Um, do you? Do you wonder? At this point, if the NHL set a number of games, or is now will begin setting numbers of games, knowing that there's a decent chance that thirty percent of it is going to get axed off after uh, the fact. So you're talking like similar to how like when you're filing for salary arbitration, you just write down the highest number you can think of. Yeah, I'm 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 part of me wondered today if the NHL set it at twenty games, knowing it was going to be about fourteen to sixteen. Hard to say because I, like I, I think didn't Rafi Torres serve his whole suspension that he had that was like forty one games one year. Yeah, I believe for some I don't think he was able to bring that to a neutral arbitrator for some reason I don't I don't remember why that was but I, I don't remember that ever going to mm. any sort of arbitration hearing okay yeah he did serve the whole thing from what I remember though because hmm. he got 25 and then he got 41 something like that on a yeah, separate yeah, yeah, incident yeah. yeah so huh yeah I don't know like they, they I guess they could be doing that and you wonder if they don't just start handing out longer suspensions moving forward because mm -hmm. it's not a great system because the watson one got cut down too by yeah. the same guy it right. was also shine das yeah so huh i never really considered what, that. what are we doing here yeah <laughs> like you know what i mean why bother setting it at 12 when you think 12 is a fair number like set it at fucking 18 
and then you get 50. How can you prove something yeah. like that, right? Like, when it's a completely subjective system, it's based on the rules, but, like, at the end of the day, it's up to George Paris and the Department of Player Safety what they want to do. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah. And I can see the NHL making this a whole thing in the next CBA dispute. Yeah. Where, well, you know. Yeah. That's another thing now, is we got to create more things to dispute in the next uh, lockout negotiation. I mean, uh, collective bargaining negotiation. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know, but it is a little disheartening to see, because it did kind of come across at that moment that he sort of, like, had almost been rewarded. Like yeah, he, you I, know I, what I mean? Like I it, it, it just way, no, no. I, I just saw a guy that was exploring every avenue at his disposal, and I would do the same thing. No, I'm not blaming him. I'm saying it just, it just seems like all of a sudden he gets all this good news on one day where it was like. He should still be in the midst of serving a suspension. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of the way I saw it. Okay. But again, it's within his rights. He can do what he wants. Yeah. I'm just saying. Did, I'm not blaming him. Why? Well, I'm mean, blaming him for the hit. Did but. you see uh, TJ Oshie's uh, Instagram uh, photo? No. Do I want to see it? Apparently, um, TJ Oshie, the first time Wilson got suspended, put out a photo when his suspension ended saying Free Willy with, like, photoshopped. Wilson into like this Free Willy poster and then he did one for the sequel and today he put one out for the trilogy <laughs> and it's just kind of gotten to the point like I saw that and I was like the first one was funny I get like you know you, you do that because it's your buddy and everything but it's like now we've gotten to the point where you've done this three different times and you're still making the same joke and you can't see how this guy isn't just a piece of shit that you shouldn't be like making light of those situations with. I don't know. I thought it was just kind of a dick move by T.J. Oshie. You know what I had a problem with? Was uh, there was a, a guy at the Capitals game. Tatar! That what? guy? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> was that a Habs game, man? Well, I know. Um, they were the Habs playing the Caps. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't think so. There was a guy at a, at a Capitals game, and he had, like, the, uh, the Wilson dodgeball. From Castaway. Yeah. <laughs> and it said Free Willy on it. Which is like a double reference. A double movie reference. That was wild. And I saw that on the... I was, I was watching the NBC broadcast. This was when we were recording last week. Hey, pick a lane and stay there. Pretty much. Yeah. So, you know, that guy should be suspended 20 games from the... Like, he shouldn't be allowed to go see sure. the games anymore. Alright. Fuck it. Seat Geek. <laughs> Seat Geek should ban his account. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any more thoughts on the Wilson thing, but like, you know, it's just, it's getting a little funny and it's, I guess, something to watch fishy, out fishy. for in the future. Uh, about how they hand out suspension. About, yeah, it's just something to maybe pay attention and we'll see down the road how these things work out. Uh, Calgary had a plebiscite vote on to whether or not to bid for the Olympics they voted 56% in favor of not bidding for the Olympics. You may be asking to yourself, how does this impact hockey directly? Well, for those of you who don't know, Calgary is also uh, in need, in my opinion, quite desperately, and in many opinion, uh, in the opinion of many, quite desperately, of a new facility for their hockey team to play in. I've been to that rink might be one of the worst facilities I've ever been to. Um, 
that's my opinion. But, uh, you know, it's cool. It's shaped like a saddle. Like, <laughs> it's cool. But it's, uh, it's, it's old. It's real old. It's an old saddle. You walk, you, <laughs> you're walking in, like, the upstairs, in the saddle. You're walking in the saddle, and you gotta, like, duck your head down. Because it's, like, the hallways are not Dun-dun. tall enough. I'm back in the saddle Yeah, I hope I'm never back Shit in the fucking it. saddle Shit again. Um, so, obviously, if they would have got the Olympic bid, this would kind of... Alleviate their concern. This would sort of make things easier yeah. for getting a rink built. You know what else? Without having so much pressure on the city, the funding would come from somewhere else, and then it would just kind of be like, oh, now you can use this facility, or, you know what I mean? Sure. They could fix the saddle dome, but, like, they'll fix it to a degree, because the plan still would have been to use that for the Olympic Games, the saddle dome. But they would have had a new facility been built because you need more than one you know what else uh, helps uh, build arenas in cities what's that james uh owner's money yes so i don't know <laughs> yeah that could i be an option yeah i don't know but. yeah i um i agree with their mayor and i don't necessarily think that this is on the city entirely to do this i think the onus at some point has to be on the ownership to sort of create new avenues and obviously some funding from the city like you need some funding from the city but do you it helps sure it helps. in their situation you need a bit but you don't need a ton they want a ton like they want the city it, they, it's it's almost like trump with the wall <laughs> the flames are just like ah we need a new rink we'll get nenshi to build it well no he's not the owner of a fucking national hockey team. He's the mayor of a city. Yeah. He's trying to run the city the best he can run the city. The Flames help. Don't get me wrong. The Flames help generate tons of, you know, money for the for the city. Right. But at the end of the day, it's not his fucking job to make sure that this team looks out for itself. It's just like the mayor of Glendale, Arizona. Like, it's not his responsibility to make sure the Coyotes are, are um, flourishing. I believe the mayor of Glendale, Arizona is a female, uh, Bruce. <laughs> she... Yeah. I thought you were going to say, I believe the mayor of Glendale, Arizona, is the is the owner of <laughs> the Arizona Coyotes. It's going to be like, oh, that's who owns them uh, this week, eh? That one horse town. And then they'll pass it on to some other mayor. <laughs> oh, congratulations, it's, your mayor now. Here's the, here's the keys to the it's Arizona like when, Coyotes. It's like when you have a lottery group with your friends, and then every week someone else buys the lottery tickets, and it's like, alright, whose week is it? You're the uh, mayor of the Coyotes this week. Um... So yeah, I don't know. This is it's an interesting development to see where things are going to go. What do you think ends up happening here with the Flames Arena? Situation? Calgary Flames, yeah. I think Arena if it gets built, I just you think you stay in Calgary? I do. Cuz I think I think ownership would rather I I don't know, like it's it's tough cuz like I could see another ownership group coming in willing to put the money up to keep it in Calgary. Whether or not the current ownership group gives that group the opportunity to do so, I guess there's a discussion to be had. But I, I think the whole Houston uh, talk that we had recently, I think that's all just smoke, uh, you know, scare tactic. Uh, maybe get the city to budge. Uh, and maybe the city does budge. And maybe that's the answer uh, at the end of the day. But I don't know. I, I think it's weird that the city is willing to put forth such effort and money 
to uh, introduce the Olympics, um, but isn't willing to do the same for an arena. And I, again, I think the owner should have the bill at the end of the day for the arena. I don't think it should be on the city. But yeah. the city's willing to spend money, just not on the arena, apparently. And that's where I think it's kind of weird. Well, you have to, you have to look at it in a certain way, too, whereas... You know, the Flames help generate a certain amount of revenue every year. But that number isn't going to necessarily go up all that much if you build them a new rink. It's certainly going to go down if they don't have a place to play and they're playing in a different city. But, like, the possibility of the Olympics coming in produces so much extra revenue that they didn't already have. that, And plus, they'd already be building a new facility. Like, it was almost a, a loophole that the city of Calgary was trying to... This isn't why they were doing it, but, like, it would have sort of helped the Flames without directly doing it to help the Flames, if that makes sense. Like, the Flames would have just, like, benefited directly from it, but it wasn't, like, and it's not like Denshi wanted the Olympics just because, oh, just so we can keep the Flames without having to spend money on the Flames. You know what I mean? It would have just been, they would have, like, benefited directly from it, but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Right. So... They'll have to figure out another way. My thought is they should move them to Albuquerque, change the jerseys to blue, and then it could be like a blue flame. You know, you could have like Heisenberg's hat on top of the on top of the flaming A, the A for Albuquerque. Like it'll be the Atlanta Flames logo, but it'll be it'll now stand for Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Breaking Bad, uh, Breaking Bad theme. Team. I don't know if Albuquerque's the answer. <laughs> Brian Cranston can like drop the puck. We could use another. Uh, we could use another team in the Sun Belt. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the day the Canadian Hockey Podcast died. Yeah, yeah. Get them all out of Canada, James. They're all suffering and dying. Um, speaking of which, I guess it's time to hit the panic button. Uh, Damien Cox is in the news. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm in a fantasy hockey league. It's literally called Damien Cox Sucks. That's the league name. We just kind of stuck to it. No one asked questions because we all kind of hate him. Sucks dicks and cocks. Yeah, that's kind of what... It was a kind of a play on that. Um, sucks cocks and dicks. Um, here's the tweet. For those of you who didn't see it. It was posted at, in case he tries to delete it, but I think he would have by now. It was posted November 14th, 12.17pm, from Toronto, Ontario, conveniently. The The quote reads as follows. <clears throat> John Tavares is playing so well, it does make you think, why not sign Marner and Nylander and trade Matthews for a whole pile of goodies? Not saying they would, but it's such a crazy fucking idea, and more. And that's because of JT. Goodies. Fucking wasn't in there. I, gr- I added that. The, the grown man said goodies. Goodies. A whole pile of goodies. I'd rather have the player that's... <laughs> to add, Sorry. Just a little background information here. Uh, he got 163 likes, 39 retweets, and uh, as of 
12.25 on November 15th a.m., uh, 491 replies. I have never seen a guy <laughs> get so many, well, actuallys on a tweet as this guy in quite a while. Um, this is an insane idea. No, it's not. It's going to revolutionize the way the game is played. So Austin Matthews is essentially, to the Maple Leafs, what Jordan Stahl was to the Penguins in 2011. Well, he's worth more goodies than Stahl. <laughs> worth more goodies! Goodies! So, okay, so wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't you rather have the one guy making $12 million that's worth $12 million than two guys making $6 million that are worth $6 million? I think I would. I want to know... I'd rather have the fucking generational talent. I want to know what the goodies are. like. What are the are, goodies? Are draft picks goodies? You know... Who do you want to get out of a draft pick? A first overall type guy that could be the number one center for right. the franchise for 10, right. years. You know who would be a good goodie at $6 million a year? William fucking Nylander! And you can't even find him for that amount of money. So who are you getting for $6 million? It's insane! Maybe, Doesn't make any sense! Maybe Damien would like us to trade Austin Matthews huh? to Sweden for Nylander. <laughs> That's a good idea. And what else? Who else is over there? Fucking Matt Sundin? King Leopold the second? Uh, makes no fucking sense. What, is, what goes through his head? It's like Steve Simmons. They probably hang out together. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Look for different fucking news, news publications. They're like the same person. Has anyone ever seen them in the same place twice? How do we know that Damian Cox and Steve Simmons aren't like each other's alter egos? It's like that episode of Family Guy. You remember where Fred Savage is playing like nine different people around town? Yeah. It's like, this is my greatest project. <laughs> Maybe it's Fred Savage. Maybe Fred Savage is actually Damian Cox. This is all ploy. Anyway. I'm pushing the panic button. Time to panic trade Mar uh, Matthews. Um, Jack Campbell tore his meniscus. And the, the Kings are... Meniscus? I barely know her. That was not good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Wasn't designed to be. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, Jack Campbell tore his meniscus. This team is really in some hot water at this point. Like, do you, do you full-on rebuild if you're the Kings? Do you think it's time? You can't. No? How? how, how where, where do you start? By trading some of your still valuable assets while they're still Ooh. valuable. Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter, yeah, okay. Get him out. Get him out. Kovalchuk. Is he, okay, is he an asset? I think it's early enough. You could still make the argument. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Doughty. Can't trade Doughty. Why not? Guy just signed an eight-year contract with a no-move clause to stay in L.A. He is not waving it. What if he trade Carter and Kovalchuk? The, 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 and... the guy loves L.A. He's... I love L.A. Exactly. He's he just wants to sit on the beach all day. He could, have he could have gone anywhere he wanted to last summer, and he said, no, no, I'm here for the next eight years. I like L.A. So, I don't know. He's not going anywhere. Does Kopitar have a no-move? Oh, wouldn't surprise me. Let's take a look. Wouldn't surprise me if Kovalchuk had a no move. They had no moves like. Actually, I think he does. Yeah, there you go. I think he might. Giddy up. I mean, you can always ask these guys to wave, and if they don't, then they don't, and then you just you deal with it. Like that's the consequence. Oh my God, Kovalchuk has a no movement clause. Kopitar. 
Uh, Dustin Brown has a modified no move or no trade. So he can provide a list of eight teams he can be traded to, so that's fine. Uh, Haglin, I guess, he can trade. Uh, Fanuf has a modified no trade, no move. He can submit a list of 12 teams he can be traded to. And Doughty has a full no move currently. And Kopitar's is a uh, no move beginning in 2020. So Kopitar can be traded at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. What do you do? For the I, Kings? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see how you justify it um, as a general manager. Like, I think it's way easier to save your own face if you sit back and say, sorry, you know, our, our only two valuable uh, guys that can play goal uh, both got hurt. So next year will be better because next year they won't be hurt. So we're not going to panic yet. I so, think Rob Blake so has some time to figure it out. Like, he's not getting fired anytime soon. That's the good news for Rob Blake. Like, he doesn't... You're right. He doesn't need to blow everything up right now if he doesn't want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my thought is... And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. But my opinion... These guys all still have some value. It may be smart to move one or two of them. And try to get younger in the process. And keep some of your older core... And hopefully you're competitive next year, or down the stretch this year, even depending how everything shakes out. Um, Quick can start skating in a in a week and a half still. Yeah, like, like he may be back by the end of the month exactly still, like right? I, I don't see the, the need to like necessarily tear it all down. No, I think you're in a better situation with the Kings than you are in Chicago with the rosters. Oh, oh uh, yeah. Well, we talked about that last week or the week before, and I, I agree with it. Still, I would still much rather be the Kings. There's way more wiggle room here. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you, if you get into a, uh, if you're kind of worried about your cap situation, like, Jake Muzzin has tons of trade value that they just choose not to explore because they think he's very good, and I happen to agree with them. But, like, if they wanted to move Jake Muzzin, they could. If they wanted to move Alec Martinez, they could. They could move any of these guys fairly easily. Kopitar, Doughty, and Brown would be the three where I think the logistics of it, it would take some working out. Doughty would need to want to go somewhere. A team would need to have $11 million in cap space. Kopitar can go somewhere, but the team would need to have $10 million in cap space. Or, like, you know, would have to send a lot back. Right, right. Um, you know, Brown would take some convincing and definitely some wiggle room on the other team's part. But, overall, there's still ways to get out of this. It's just, I'm curious what, like, they just kind of... Take a knee and run out the clock here, and just do the best they can until the take a tournament it gets better. and run out the clock. Yeah, just, just I don't know. I I don't see the need to, to panic yet. Like I'm not. I I, think, I no. I get I get yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. Because I'm sure if you've watched more than five minutes of hockey this year by them, there's definitely <laughs> there's definitely yes, it's not yes, good. Yeah. I've watched this team. I've watched this team almost as much as I've watched the Leafs in the past. Eight years probably. Right. No, just just knowing this is how not front good. offices work. I exactly. Don't, I don't think they're gonna. No, do I, I I happen to agree with you. I think some of their depth. There's a lot, you know, to be had there. Like I I think they can get a pick or two for Trevor Lewis later in the year. You know, they can get a pick or two for uh, Fantenberg for Forbert for all these guys. But um, it'd be tough to really shake it up quickly. So there's no sense in panicking. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We are not pushing the panic button on the LA Kings. No, sir. Nope. 
firm believers in the LA Kings. Right? You know it. Yeah. Um, top 10? Top 10, baby. Top 10? Top 10. Top 10. Uh, what are we doing this week, Jimmy? We're going with the uh, top 10 goaltenders that have never won a Vesna. Yeah, this is stemming from um, my existential crisis that started last week when I uh, realized that Roberto Luongo had never won a Vesna, which is something I guess I've always known because, like, I didn't, you know, it's not like they took a Vesna away from him, went back, went back into an alternate timeline, um, and took a Vesna that he already had away from him. So, in my subconscious, I knew that Roberto Luongo sure. had never won a Vesna. Sure. But in a much real sense, I didn't know that. So, um... So yeah, we're gonna break down that list of, of guys joining. Spoiler alert: Roberto Luongo Roberto will be Luongo. on the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, but who? But who's to say if he's one of the best, one of the worst? Yeah. Uh, we now, didn't really know where he would fit in in history. Like how many really good goalies yeah. had never won a Vezina? And, and and like as we learned during this, the, the Vezina's got a weird bit of history. Yeah. So before 1980. Uh, the Vesna Trophy just went to the team that allowed the fewest goals on the season. And if your goalie played, like, I think it was like a minimum of 20 games, then they got their name on the Vesna. So you had years where, you know, two or three guys would win the Vesna in a season. Right, because teams would tie yeah. for goals against, too. Was, like, there was tons of instances yeah. where two teams had a goalie win the Vesna. There was also instances... It was kind of like the Jennings, in a sense, yeah. but... There was also instances where, like two guys would win it from different teams because say that guy played half the season then got traded away well he still played 20 games for that team that you know allowed the fewest goals so right. kind of a weird history um when you get back like the 70s were tricky but when you get back into the 60s and 50s with the original six uh pretty much everybody you'd expect to win one 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 just with all those factors the trades the you know uh multi tie wins kind of thing Really, no surprises from back then. So, but an interesting to see how. Yeah, the, there's one the trophy. There's evolved. Yeah, there's one. Yeah, and we're gonna get to him. Yeah, uh, but number ten, we're gonna get started um, with a guy that's still playing, uh, Devin Dubnik. Yeah, I'm a big, uh, big fan of Dubnik. Now, dooby dooby doo. Yeah, I you know stuff like that. For Robert, sure, Robert Kule. I don't, I don't know about, you know, like, we all know the guy's road, uh, his career in the NHL, like, he was bad, he was really bad, like, he went through some bad systems and got sent down to some worse systems and then didn't play hockey for a little bit and we all kind of thought it was over. And then a funny little thing happened in the, uh, in the 2015 season where he won 27 of 39 games, uh, to pull the Minnesota Wild back to life. And uh, the guy actually finished, I think it was fourth in heart voting. Um, but somehow only third in Vesna voting. And again, a lot of good goalies in the league. It's it's tough. You know, you don't see these 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 Marty Berders or these Dominic Hasheks that come in and win, you know, four or five in a row anymore. It, it seems to switch hands every season. But like that that was a year like and uh, what 9936 nine saber percentage how do you not win the vesna that year like that's 
I think, I think my whole case about Dubnik rests on that one season, that one run that he had, where he was like just an absolute machine. And uh, I don't know. I it's, it's, he's having a good year this year too. So maybe maybe this is his year. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Dubnik's. Um, he fin- to clarify, he finished that year. You're talking about 14-15, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he finished that year 36-14-4 with a 208 and a 929, six uh, shutouts. Pretty damn good. He lost to Carey Price in what was Carey Price's ridiculous season. Um, yeah. You know. Can't do much there, I guess. No, it, it is what it is, but he did help resurrect a team from the dead. Uh, I was at one of those losses for Dubnik, which was a, it was a 2-1 Winnipeg Jets win in overtime, and uh, Dubnik stopped, I think it was 14 shots in the first six minutes. Nice. It was ridiculous. Big, big it boy. was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and the Jets didn't get their goal until there was maybe seven minutes left in the third period. Like, Dubnik pitched a shutout for most of it, and then Toby Enstrom beat him, and then Bufflin scored in overtime. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Dubnik, number 10. Uh, number 9, uh, Tomas Vokun. Tomas Vokun. Uh, Tommy Boy finished uh, in the top four, I believe, for Vesna voting um, a few times. He, I can't remember if he ever actually got nominated for one. I don't think so. No. Finished uh, top five once. Top five once. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Um... But really stellar career numbers for Thomas Vokun. Uh, he was a good goalie right till the end. Played for a very long time. And uh, he uh, he won a lot of games in the National Hockey League. 300 right on the nose, which puts him 34th all time. Um, so, you know, cat caught, caught the puck with his right hand. Right hand glove, too. Which is pretty, uh, pretty trippy. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you know what? I never really considered him as as one of those like elite goaltenders in the league, and maybe that's why I didn't have him uh, on my list. But uh, he was underappreciated for sure. I can see how you can make that argument. Yeah, that's 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 fair game. Finished his career with a nine seventeen save percentage. Um, his final career or final season was a nine nineteen season. He only played twenty games, but as a backup for the Penguins, but. Um, he was a goalie never, never bad in his career. Uh, finished over 923 times? Four times. Four times. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I thought Vokun... Kind of crazy to think he was never even really nominated. Because his numbers were just damn good every year. Yeah, he was... He kind of fell victim to that Margaret Brodeur era. Yeah. Um, where Brodeur was just winning it, like, every year. Backstop for the Predators when they were defensive, but they didn't know how to be defensive because people seem to forget yeah. that that the oh, Barry, he, the Barry Trotz Predators were not amazing for a while. Yeah, well he played, what, eight years on an expansion team? Like, he, he was yeah. the guy that, he, like, I don't think he was the starter, but he was an expansion pick when, when you know, he joined the Predators, so. Yeah, yeah, good goalie. Yeah, Mike Dunham played the first uh, four years as the starter for the most part, and then uh, he retired, so. Or he left, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got a big one here at... Uh, oh, no. Do we? We're going the wrong way. Wrong order. My bad. Uh, still a big one. Uh, three, three-time three cup winner. 
I don't even know who it is. Mark Andre Fleury. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> oh yeah, nice. Now, Currently watching him post a shutout. Now, uh, Flower, do you uh, do you miss Penguins there, Flower? Yeah, Mark Andre. Um, never been a finalist. No. Um, and I think this is a situation where maybe the name just carries a little bit more weight than his actual ability, but. Yeah, I don't know, like three three time cup winner. Um, went to the finals last year again. Um, I don't know, like uh, I guess I guess when you when you break down his numbers, he was never really elite any any season. He had uh, well, he had a great year in Vegas last year on that expansion yeah. team. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say uh, he probably would have been in the Hart Trophy consideration most other years. Yeah. Uh, with the year that he had last year. Um, in 2007-2008, he had a 9.21 save percentage, 233 goals against average. Uh, he's had some similar years before. Finished over a 9.20 save percentage four times as well. So he's basically the modern-day Vokun. Yeah. Uh, career 9-13 goaltender, but he's had some stinker years in there yeah. as well. So um, He's kind of hopped back and forth. But it's worth noting that uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is 10th all-time in goaltender wins and and uh, climbing. Yeah, he's going to He's going to post up. another one tonight here by the looks of things. So, um, yeah. Fleury number eight. Yeah. Solid pick. Uh, number seven, another Stanley Cup champion, Mike Victor. Nice. We're American. Yeah. Uh, Mike Richter. Silver medalist. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is this is a guy that uh, you you hear this a lot. Um, just played in the wrong era. Just played against other goaltenders that were out there stealing Vesnas left and right. Yeah. Um, never. I don't know. Like it was a different different era back then. The uh, the mid nineties. You know, saw the emergence of the trap game. And uh, yeah, not not the not the best numbers at the end of the day, career wise. Uh, nine oh nine oh four for the career. Uh, you know, one more win than uh, our boy Tommy Volkun there. And um, and my favorite stat, um, Mike Richter, six hundred and sixty six games played. So how how cool is that? Huh? Yeah. 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 He played his uh, his whole career for the Rangers, which is one thing. Um, that I think needs to be mentioned about him because he played for the Rangers and a lot of those years they were not good. Like, there were a lot of years where they were kind of... He was kind of the reason why they would win some nights because you take a look at his numbers and he would still have a pretty decent save percentage or goals against average for that era. And yet, he was below 500. Um, You know, this was a... He played 72 games in 97-98 and only won 21 of them. Yeah, yeah. He, he played for the Rangers. A tough time to play for the Rangers, but um, got that cup. Is arguably one of the best goalies in franchise history for a pretty storied franchise. He's top three anyway. Yeah, um, forty-two win season. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and and an Olympian. Yeah, which is kind of hard to argue against as well. Silver medal. Yeah, Mike Richter, number six. Um, 
Nevgeny Nabokov. Yeah. Or John, John as he went for... John Nabokov. For those of you who don't know, quick little tidbit about Evgeny Nabokov. Uh, when he first came over to the NHL, he asked the announcers to call him John. Because he figured it would be easier to, uh, to say than Evgeny. And then uh, the problem with that was, his announcers would have to call him John. And then explain to everyone why, <laughs> legally, he was also Evgeny. Yeah. So to say John Nabokov instead of Evgeny to save time actually like took a minute to explain every time. It's so, not a great system, but a better no. goalie. So, so he he went yeah. back to Evgeny and yeah, good good goalie. Um, Calder winner. Yep. Um, finished second in Vesna voting in 08. 46 wins. Um, his rookie season finished fourth in Vesna voting, which I think is you know kind of ridiculous in its own right. I know a couple guys have won it in their rookie season, but just mm-hmm. to be, you know, in that top 5 I think is is worth mentioning. 21st all-time in uh, goaltender wins with 353. Uh one of the highest ranked goaltenders to never win a Vesna. Got it. In terms of goaltending yeah. wins, yeah. Yeah. There's uh there's only two in the top 3 in the top 10. I guess if you include Flurry and there's only maybe five more after that, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his, his career kind of dropped off near the end there, and, uh, you know, I, he came in the league late um, to a degree. Like, 25 was, was the year he won his caller. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think he I think he deserved better. Yeah. He, uh, he was a beast for a few years there, so... Well, uh, anytime you can... Put your team in a situation where they can trade away Mika Kiprasov and Vesa Toskala. Yes. Uh, and still have you as their... Vesa Toskala. Well, yes. there was a time where, you know... Yeah. Great glove hand. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Okay, number five. Number and five? Here we go into the top five. Okay. Um, what you got? Jerry Cheevers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Cheevers. Now, for those of you who are not familiar... With Mr. Cheevers, which uh, you would assume people would be. Uh, he played in... He's the only goalie on the list that played in the era of era. multiple Vesna winners. And he played on some pretty good teams and yet does not yep. have one. Yep. Two-time cup champion with the Boston Bruins of the uh, early 70s. Um, part of the knock against him, he did leave for the WHA for a few years. Now, it's not what I would call his prime. He was already over 30 when he left, and he did come back and finish his career in the NHL. Won some games when he came back, I might add, uh, too. That he did. Um, came back. I, I I don't know if he was the... Starter for Don Cherry's Bruins, but he was he was on the roster regardless. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, like this is this was the era when all you had to do was be on the team that allowed the least amount of goals, and you're gonna win the Vesna. And apparently, the Boston Bruins, featuring the great Bobby Orr, um, could never accomplish that feat because. A little guy by the name of Ken Dryden was doing that for the Molina Habitant mm-hmm. the whole decade. Yeah, he uh, 
he won a lot. Or I, I should rephrase it, maybe. He didn't lose very often. Yeah. Uh, if you take a look at his career numbers, he lost 102 games in 418 appearances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> every fourth, not even, um, less than every fourth start, uh, he would lose. Mm-hmm. So you got to give him some credit there. 230 wins. Just, just ridiculous career. To think that uh, he never won a Vesna is kind of bizarre. Is he in the Hall of Fame? That's a good question. He is, isn't he? I don't, I don't know. Look he up. is. Yeah, Hall of Fame. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, a Hall of Fame goaltender that never won a Vesna, which we're hoping there will be a few more in the next few years. Uh, but, um, yeah. Uh, Former Toronto Maple Leaf, too. Yeah. Uh, this, is a, this is a Maple Leafs podcast. So. Yeah. Number four. Uh, two-time cup winner, Johnny yeah. Clark. Yeah. Um, now, I have to add, because even I, a big Jonathan Quick fan, sometimes you, you, you know, we're all victims of the recency bias. We all are, we all are culprits here, you know, we all do it all the time. What have you done for me lately? So you tend to forget sometimes how good Jonathan Quick's career numbers are. And you take a look, and this guy is a freak of fucking nature, man. He's healthy. He's not, well, nowadays, yeah. The problem is, is he's so damn athletic. Like, he's arguably one of the most athletic players in the league in a position where you don't necessarily need to be overly athletic. You just need to be kind of smart. Yeah. And uh, he's not so much the second thing as much as he is the first thing there. He's incredibly athletic, um, which causes him to hurt himself sometimes and, and a little sidebar here uh just to make the connection going off cheevers uh, had he played in the cheevers era or if financial had continued the vesna qualifications today quick would have two as he has two jennings trophies yeah so yeah knows, knows what he's doing that's for sure uh 2011 2012 he uh he was 35 21 and 13 with a 928 uh, save percentage and a 195 goals against average and 10 shutouts is arguably the reason that the Kings got into the playoffs and led them to their first of two Stanley Cups. Um, he has a 230 goals against average, which is absurd um, at this point in time, and a 916 save percentage. So easily for me he even could be higher based on his career numbers but uh yeah he's still playing so it's it's hard to it's hard to put him in this top three with it's, the guys that are there yeah it, so it's hard to say that he's n- like the window's closing for sure right because i mean Rene just won a vesna last year and you know we thought he was done years ago and apparently he still had another year in him uh quick's only 32 uh, Rene was 35 last year when he won, so mm-hmm. you know there's still some years there, but it does look a little sketchy as we go back to for the third time tonight the conversation of how the Kings are looking these days. Um, you know, it's going to be kind of difficult when you don't have a coach and you don't have a bottom six and you <laughs> you have Dion Phaneuf and yeah, you know. that'll hurt you. Yeah, it doesn't help. Um, so yeah, now now we're into this top three that we, we the could, big guns. Yeah, we could arguably put. Really, in any order. 
Um, Probably the three that would surprise you if you didn't know that they don't have a Vesna. Yeah. To learn that they don't have a Vesna. Right. Um, so this is this is kind of a toss up. So number three, um, Jaeger. Yeah. Um, cup winner, as we all know. Um, Nine forty five save percentage in the cup run with the uh, Ducks in 03. Um, won a con Smythe as a loser, which has only been done, uh, I believe it's four times. Uh, he's the last to do it. Never a finalist for a Vesna. Not once. No. Nope. Didn't happen. Sorry. 913 save percentage in your career, but thanks for playing. Well, it's also worth noting, too, that his 913 save percentage uh, is sort of affected by some mediocre play on the back half of his career. Um, you know, I mean, he was fine. He was serviceable backup, but he turned into a backup fairly quickly. Um, but for the seven or so years where J.S. Jaguar was at the top of his game, he was as good as the rest of them, pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, he sort of took over for Patrick Waugh and kind of became Patrick Waugh to the league. He yeah. just absolutely perfected that style of play. He made himself look so fucking big in the net. And, you know, he wasn't small, but he was only six foot one, 200 pounds. And when I say Jay Jaguar, you probably all picture, like, a six foot four, 250. Like, I thought he was massive when he played. He just made himself look so big in the net. Um, his career speaks for itself. Former Whaler, Flame, Duck, Leaf, and Avalanche. Colorado Avalanche mm. at the back end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even 2007, 2008, 212, 922, uh, went 35, 17, and 6. Uh, he was one of the best, for sure. Never won a Vesna. No. Number two. Big Jimbo, number two. Number two. Okay, so we uh, we have to preface this a little bit, too. We had to flip a coin for one and two, because <laughs> my number one was James's number two, and James's number one was my number two. And James won the coin toss. No, I won the coin toss, didn't I? Uh, I'm pretty sure. It was heads. You know what the heads is for a quarter, right? It's the queen, not the not the caribou. It was heads. Alright. We'll make we'll make the edit now. Oh, I don't know. Well you you recorded it. Alright. Well you won the coin toss, so number two is Roberto Luongo. Yeah. Uh I think Roberto Luongo is better than the goalie at number one. But regardless, they're both very good goaltenders, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Roberto Luongo. Um, how to describe Roberto Luongo? Uh, wrong place at the wrong time? I guess. If you're not in Florida those those first few years, you, it's you hard probably to say. have one. Yeah. Um, boy, was he good. Yeah. 931 on the season in 04, but could only muster 25 wins. Thanks, Panthers. Yeah, they. Uh, a lot of people forget before the salary cap, uh, the Panthers were really bad. Oh, yeah. Like, you think this is bad. It was, like, really bad for a while. So, um, he got the hell out of there. And went to Vancouver, where he could, you know, go compete for a cup. And then lost in Game 7 of a Stanley Cup final. And yeah. didn't get his ring. Um... But yeah, do you, do you think do you think he could pull it off this year? Pull off what? Vesna. 
How many games has he played? Five. Won four of them. Uh, He's sitting at 956. They gotta get a lot better. Oh, definitely. They gotta get a lot better. But does he have to get a lot better? That'd be fucking crazy if he won the Vesna. Who's the oldest Vesna winner? Do you know? Johnny Bauer. Oh yeah, I guess. (laughs) I guess so. Roberto at 39, though. Like, that'd be... That'd be wild. That'd be crazy. Wow. He'll be 40 by the end of the season, actually. April 4th. The second 40-year-old to win the Vesna. Yeah. I I don't know. But uh, regardless, uh, 475 wins on the career puts him fourth? Yep. Fourth? Fourth all-time. You would have to think that he maybe has a bit more time in him. I mean, he's probably going to get past Ed Belfort at 484 for third. Um, whether he gets past Patrick Watt, 551, that's going to be a tough get. But regardless, uh, Roberto Luongo, in a career that has spanned 19 seasons, is a career 920 save percentage goaltender. That's wild. That's insane. Um, good for him. Yeah. I hope he gets his Vesna, but I'm not holding my breath. No, I don't think. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't see it. But no, yeah. never said ever, kids. Played uh, for the Islanders during the Mike Milbury era too, so he deserves some sort of a Purple Heart oh, for that, I think. But um, okay, and number that one is us. Number one, uh, the guy that Luongo just passed for most wins, uh, Curtis Joseph. Curtis Joseph. Um, Curtis Joseph. Went undrafted. Yes. And put together, quite arguably, the greatest undrafted career. Is this the third list hockey list in a row that we've had Curtis Joseph on? It's gotta be. It's gotta be. <laughs> um, and he's always high on the list, too. <laughs> friend of the podcast, Curtis Joseph. Cujo, if you ever feel like coming on, we'll, uh, we'll take a trip down to Keswick, Ontario and come see you if you want. Uh, yeah, no, this this guy played for um, some really bad teams and was able to take them to some really high places. And, I, again, I go back to the undrafted thing because every team in the league had a shot at this guy. And when he came into the league, um, if he's somewhere other than St. Louis, maybe he's got a business. Maybe, if, maybe hey, if the Devils pick up... Curtis Joseph as a free agent instead of drafting Martin Brodeur. Does Joseph have a Vesna playing behind Stevens and Niedermeyer and not Rob Brown and whoever else the Blues had at the time? I guess I guess they had uh, Pronger uh, near the end of his St. Louis. Very briefly, if yeah. at all, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I look at this as a, a situation where Curtis Joseph took... Some of the most inept decors in the history of the game. I'm, I'm and looking. Hold them together, real. I'm real looking nicely. at the first like nine years of his career, and yeah. like I can only definitively name maybe one or two defensemen from any of those teams all those years. Sure. McKinnis maybe was there in '95. It's close. I think so. It's I gotta close. look that up. And then the Oilers, yeah, Rob Brown. Yeah. Jason Smith, maybe, 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 <laughs> like the and then the Leafs, like I can only name because I was a Leaf fan. Like right. they happen to have Caberlet, who yeah. a lot of people forget wasn't good for a while. Well, I don't that, care what anyone he, says. He would have been a rookie in '99. Yeah, 
So Danny Markov. Sure. Dmitry Yuskevich. What am I looking up? Half of Alan Brian Berard. Oh my God. Um. I don't know. Yeah, he played for some bad teams before, eh? McKinnis like, was there for a year with Cujo. Okay. It's fine, I guess. It was also a lockout shortened year, wasn't Jesus. it? It was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like I, 32 I, games of Al McKinnis is what Cujo got. Like, you, you don't forgive the guy. Uh, you, sorry, you don't blame the guy when in, in 2003 he said, to hell with this, I'm going to Detroit. At least they've got Lidstrom and whoever else Detroit had at the time with their all-star lineup. Schneider, Chelios. All right, All right James. Ugh. Cujo number one. Yeah. Um, to end off this week, we're going to have an impromptu version of the roster game. Nice. For those of you who don't know how this works, uh, I'm going to give James a, we'll say, we'll say 30-second time limit to guess a player. Uh, I'm going to give him a roster. He's not going to have the roster in front of him. And he's going to have to name for me players off this roster. Uh, once he gets one wrong, he can name the head coach to get back in. If he gets the head coach wrong, he's done the game. We'll try to see how many p- players off said team that he can get. Did I explain that correctly, James? I believe you got all the points, yeah? yes. Okay. Um, the roster in question. Now... You're already at one, because I can confirm Curtis Joseph was the goaltender for this team. Nice. It is the 1997-1998 Edmonton Oilers. Wow. We'll start Uh, the timer. That's wild. What do you got? Um, I got Ryan Smith. All right, you're at at two. All right. Um, Doug Waite. Doug Waite is correct. You're at three. Mint. Um. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Gets a little tricky. Marty Reisner. Mm. I don't think so. That's not good. I don't see him. Marty Reisner is incorrect. Uh, so if you can give me. The head coach of the 97-98 Oilers, you're back in. <laughs> Kevin Lowe? <laughs> oh, it's Ron Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> you only got three. Uh, you were missing gems such as Dean McCammond. Of course. 16-goal performance from uh, Boris Miranov. Everyone's, uh-huh. everyone's favorite Miranov. Uh, Todd Marchant, uh, Bill Guerin, Roman Hammerlick, Dan McGillis, who if we ever end up doing our top 10 worst free agent signings might make an appearance. Uh, Greg DeVries was on this team. Yanni Ninema, Drake Barahowski, Ray Whitney was on the team for nine games. Mm, Brian Marchment, uh, Sean Brown played 18 games. Sean Brown. Hmm. No, Rob Brown. Down goes Brown. Uh, George LaRock. 11 games, 59 penalty minutes. Sure. Sure. (laughs) And the uh, backup goaltender who I almost put on this list, Bob Essensa. Huh. Yeah. Another good career. Yeah. Another one of those, like, four or five year samples. He was unbelievable, but... So, 
so that should pretty much do it. Um, Curtis Joseph should have won a Vesna because he never played with a defenseman. Yeah, did you hear that roster? <laughs> Kids, how many of those players did you know? Not many. No, nope. probably not many. Mail us, uh, mail us uh, at uh, at laced up if you knew more than three players on that roster, yeah, and no you will receive a personalized laced up prize pack. We should start making merch. Yeah, oh yeah. You think? Let's do it. Well, we got the listenership for that. Yeah. <laughs> That'll pay for itself. We got to get more sponsors so we can get some merch going for you guys. Yeah, we got to we got to build Ariel one of these days. Actually, uh, we are receiving our payment soon. So, I, I talked to the good, sure. fine, fine people at Airedale tonight. Yeah. Well, and, we thank. Uh, them. Well, they talked to me actually. We thank them. So yeah, um, yeah, we thank our sponsor Airedale this week. Thanks to Patrice Breesbaugh <laughs> for for yeah. uh, letting us mention his name on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. We okay, and we are also going to. I can't remember if I said this last week or not. We are going to go ahead and we are going to do a movie commentary version of Miracle. Uh, now, don't get too too excited because it's probably a ways away yet. Uh, we James and I are quite busy in the coming week or so. Uh, also, next week you can probably expect an earlier edition of the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. As we will not be record be recording as late in the week, so you might get it out uh, a few days earlier next week, which if, might be kind of fun. If you're good, only if you're good. If you're, if you're ready. No, no. If you behave. If you. <laughs> if you okay. act up, you're not getting it early. How how would a listener act up? Oh, don't don't tweet profanities at us. Well, we yell profanities into their earphones all day for them. Yeah, it's, it's fine. That's we're, different. We're doing them a service. Don't shoot, yeah. don't shoot in the service. That's all I'm saying. I can't wait till the day comes and we charge for this bullshit, for this nonsense where we're just yelling at them. That's never gonna happen. Ah. Dean fucking McCammond. Who played on the 1994 <laughs> New Jersey Devils? Ken Danico. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's uh, that's it for that's this it. week. We'll see you nice. next week. Got her under got her under two hours this week. Nice. What are we You're welcome. Uh, that's pretty good. That's yeah. we're back to our average. That's nice. 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 Right on. Go team. Na, 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 na. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. Well, see you later.
Here come a deputy, he's gonna come and get me, I gotta get to get up front. They got the silence loose, I ran right out of juice. They gonna put me in a cell if I can't go to heaven for the living. 